Time for Mac Break Weekly. Andy and Nako put together a great show. The return of Mac Daddy, Chris Breen, John Gruber from Daring Fireball, and Adam Engst, the Dean of Mac Journalists. It's all coming up next on Mac Break Weekly. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for MacBreak Weekly is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This is MacBreak Weekly, episode 248, recorded May 24th, 2011. Everything's dewy in the grotto. MacBreak Weekly is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Save time and effort with Text Expander by typing short abbreviations to insert text snippets you frequently use. For a free demo, visit smilesoftware.com/macbreak. And by hover.com. Hover is domain name registration and management that's simple. For Hover's transfer concierge service free for our audience, go to hover.com/macbreak. And by GoToMeeting. The easiest, most reliable online meeting service for your free 30-day trial. Visit GoToMeeting.com and use the offer code MacBreak. It's time for MacBreak Weekly, the show that covers your uh, Mac news, your Apple news, your iOS news. And uh, the host of our show today is not me, because I've been lazy and I allowed Mr. Andy Anatko to do all the work today from the Chicago <laughs> Sun Times. And that's your punishment for being lazy. You, you wind up with me as the host. I think it's great. You did a great job last week, and you've re, and you've reassembled our star panel from last week. There you go. Well done. Would you like to introduce our our panelists? Uh, I very much would. In alphabetical and non-denominational order, first we have Chris Breen from MacWorld, uh, host of a fantastic head of hair for which he gets way, way, <laughs> way too much credit. Right. Because underneath underneath that hair is almost as important his voluminous knowledge of iOS music and everything involving squiggly lines and dots on lines that go like this. Chris, how <laughs> is it doing? Uh, it's great, and thank you so much for that fine introduction. <laughs> already, you're already you're outstripping me, Andy. Can you tone it down just a bit? <laughs> oh, don't worry. I, I, I had my last caffeine about three hours ago. It's going to be kind of fun about fifty three minutes from now. <laughs> okay. Uh, be, 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 before we move off, Chris, though, is 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 that uh, is that is that uh, Steve Jobs uh, uh, press like head, uh, like uh, film and television headshot behind you, or is that what is someone that? I don't recognize? It's like Marlon Brando. It's actually Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, it's Jeffrey a, Tambor. Uh, All right. Yeah, hey, no. it's my uh, it's my one autographed celebrity photo. Of a friend of mine in <laughs> in Hollywood. I was doing some tech support for him, and he said, "I will get you an autographed picture of anybody." I said, "I want Jeffrey Tambor, and I want him to write Hey Now' on there because it was hey respect for Larry Sanders." And sure enough, Hey Now, there's Jeffrey Tambor uh, above uh, uh, Chad and Jeremy's The Ark, which was their Sergeant Pepper. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that's that's wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm sorry, my head is reeling. Chad and Jeremy had a Sergeant Pepper? They did. Um, uh, yes, along with a lot <laughs> of now. other... Gary Lewis and the Playboys had a Sergeant Pepper as well. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I'll yeah. take your word for it. Okay. Actually, in, in, in so much as Jerry Lewis's son did a whole bunch of drugs and then recorded an album, not in the sense that they recorded an epic uh, shaking album, correct? After getting back from Nam. Uh, he took a lot of drugs, and then he did the album. So it's uh, I'll I'll put that one up next time I'm on. 
Okay. You're, 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 you're off to a great start. I should warn you, you probably need another 18 or 19, including Eliza Minnelli, before you have enough photos for a New York deli. But excellent start. You could not. <laughs> Jeffrey, I got to applaud Jeffrey Kimball. He wasn't a Mel Brooks. He wasn't two Mel Brooks movies and The Grinch that stole Christmas. So we got to applaud that. Uh, next right. in alphabetical order, Adam Angst, the titan of Mac Electronic Publishing. <laughs> He's killing the newspaper and print industry, but saving trees at the same time. Adam makes up tidbits and take control ebooks. How is it going, Adam? It's going fine, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> I, I I was checking my hair, but I you know I just when Chris is on, you just you have no chance. I so. think Adam, you could have a Twitter account, the hair of Adam. I think you could. I think you could qualify. <laughs> <laughs> we could start that right now. Something to be said for the fact that we all have hair here. Well, we don't know what Andy's got. He's got a hat. Oh. No, see what 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 I've got is a bad haircut and the <laughs> desire not to really you know do my hair before the show. So that's why you re realize that it's it's two p.m. here in the East Coast. That's awfully early for me. Yeah. So I, I really can't I, I can't be I will, expected I to say that. As long as we're talking hair, John's got us all beat. I mean, look at his hair. <laughs> ah, yeah, <laughs> that's some fabulous hair. <laughs> it's full black hair, and the rest of us. Oh boy. That's okay. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, see, Leo, see this once again, your punishment for not doing your preparation. We're about 10 minutes in and pretty much we're just talking about hair care products. Now, so long as, so long as we're committed, John, now do Let's you go like all in. condition shampoo and condition? Because I've read, I read in Vogue that's, that's what you're supposed to do, like for that sort of 60s, like ultra sheen sort of thing. Because I don't like to put a lot of, a lot of product in my hair afterward. Uh, so yeah, I always, believe, it's always separate shampoo and conditioner. Those two in ones never work. Should you shampoo every time you shower, or get on like an, a rotation schedule? Because I don't want to strip the, the the calcumin from the uh, from from the sheet. <laughs> I have a I have a script. I have a pearl script that tells me. Uh, <laughs> is, yeah. Is, is that open source? Can you put it on, uh, yeah, it's uh, on, on, on Google Code? I'll, I'll give you the link in the show notes. Awesome. <laughs> All right. We're off to a man. Oh, by the way, John Gruber from DuringFireball.net. Uh, <laughs> Uh, do, do you have anything non-hair related that you'd like to say to introduce yourself? <laughs> uh, no, not really. You know, I, do you have, Harry do you, have Shearer, you know how Harry Shearer used to uh, do great stuff with the satellite feed? They don't do raw feeds anymore of the network news. And his, I think the best thing he ever had was Dan Rather talking to the stylist before, the, before he's about to do the CBS <laughs> Evening News, saying, you know, I didn't wash my hair last night, and I'm thinking of not washing it again today. Does it seem to uh, give it some body? And that really kind of <laughs> set the stage for the show today, I believe. Except he did it with a bit more of a sibilant S, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I don't have enough shine and right, manageability. Hey, now. Where is Hank Kingsley when we need him? Yes. Well, yeah, at least, we, at least we've got it all over Jeffrey Tambor. Yes. He's a, he's <laughs> cue ball. <laughs> Total cue ball. Although I hear he's playing Steve Ballmer in the movie epic. Uh, of the of the uh, Microsoft story. Well, it's 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 a, it's a la it's a lateral mood from Enda Turnblad and hairspray. You have to admit. Yes. That you know, you're still you're still like in a form of drag. You're still doing a lot of dancing and jumping up and down. Only at least uh, when he does it on stage, it's an age appropriate thing for him to do. So. <laughs> so well, after all that, I think we should take a commercial break. <clears throat> okay. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> From our good friends at Pantene, you know, Pantene the active on-the-go sedentary lifestyle of the tech columnist, it's, it's easy to neglect your personal hygiene, but not so much with your set it, wet it, and forget it line of inner glow pomade gels. If, if we do, in fact, get Pantene on the, uh, on the network, Andy, I think I'm going to have to send you a commission.
I, I would enjoy that commission. And, and once again, you know, realize that uh, things that are aromatic, things that are sort of cover up the fact that I do shampoo roughly once every three weeks, shower once a month. If I get the water turned back on and those jerks of the water company, we've got a little bit of an issue back and forth. But it's you just need, you know, shampoo in a can like they used to have in the 60s. It's oh, yeah. D-S-S-S-S-S-S-T, yeah. and you just squirt this stuff on your you head. Brush it out, yeah. I don't know if you ever wash it out. I think it was just like no, you, you brush just it. left. I think you brush it out, don't you? Yeah. Wait, is that your secret, you... Chris? Yeah, it is. I've, <laughs> the I've, 60s? <laughs> here I have more than uh, 75 cases of this stuff, and nobody else has any more. Just... <laughs> Chris has never brushed it out. So what you're really seeing is not hair, but an accumulation of pissed. <laughs> exactly right, and it's uh, it's actually my hair is normally black, but it's just been caked on with this stuff, oh, and it's God. turned this color. So, so, so you're saying that in your bathroom there's something akin to a cotton candy machine. You just dump the pst in there, stick your head in there, swish it around a few times to pick up uh, the pst fibers. It's the it's the pst sw uh, swirly is what we call it here, and you put it in there and you pull the and crank and end up just goes everywhere. It's the pst swirly. Is anybody watching anymore? Not Are they anymore, just so that's good. You, this is good now. It's a very low pressure show because uh, you're doing it all by yourself. Yes. Well, it's 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 very important that we we do all this stuff in the first ten minutes. What we do, what we really want to do is we want to scare off all the people who aren't really interested in hearing about <laughs> Mac news and Mac topics because you got to be committed at this point to be sticking it through. Uh, then you know you're not going to find out uh, about the new hover car. You know, thirty minutes into the show, if you bailed early, we want to shake out again. I'm not. I'm under NDA. We're not really. I know. I know three of us are under, under NDA, but you know what NDA stands for. Uh, Never a damn Apple product. Anyway, uh, <laughs> actually, I think uh, we're gonna. This is the show where we bury the lead. We're gonna put the hover car, hover car last, or we may not get to it all uh, because there's a lot of legal stuff we can be talking True. about, and that's way, way more interesting. Nothing better uh, than, than, a, than a flying car with a 21 gigawatt laser uh, front mounted. Uh, so, I guess the, the the one big piece of news that we got yesterday was Apple finally came out of the trench, trenches and made their made their their face known in the Lotus uh, lawsuit uh, kerfuffle, which uh, was about to become a malarkious uh, bit of rhubarb. Uh, it's it's uh, finally we're all I think a lot of people were waiting for Apple's comment after all these iOS developers start getting hit with these demands for uh, for licensing fees for uh, in-app purchase and and uh, uh, subscription to. Uh, quote, technologies have been wired up into their sites, uh, at the sites and apps. Uh, but it was really a lot like uh, when that scene, I, I tweeted this yesterday, it was like when that scene in Avatar where that cat lady said, Enwa heard you, she heard you, because that's you know, Apple finally came out. And really, guns a-blazing, because, I, I mean, I would you like to be, you know, in a public forum, no less, attacked with language like this. And this is a letter from Apple to Lotus, which I'm quoting directly. Um, we might get the explicit tag. So if you've got young ones, cover their ears. Claim one also claims a memory that stores the results of the user interaction and a communication element to carry those results to a central location. Once again, Apple provides under the infringement theory set out in your letters, the physical memory in which the feedback is stored. Just as importantly, the APIs that allow transmission of that user feedback to and from the App Store over an Apple server using Apple hardware and software. Indeed, in the notice letters to app makers that we have been privy to, Lotus itself relies on screenshots of the App Store to purportedly meet this claim element. Wow. Oh, snap. He don't know he didn't. <laughs> Uh, I mean, God, burn. I think burn is another. I'm, 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 I haven't synchronized the, the snaps yet. Oh, come on, yet. Andy. You're missing the best part, though, when he gets into patent exhaustion. 
That's oh, really where that's where the, that's where the meat is. I'm the pictures. I'm not surprised he's a little bit patent exhausted. <laughs> I mean, anybody over the age of 22 would be a little patent exhausted after that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, no, I mean, the thing, is, the thing that was kind of interesting, I found interesting about this, because I've been talking to some of these developers, and some we're talking some really small small, small fish here, frankly. And so with what Lotsis was was claiming, I mean, these guys were... I mean, they weren't on the edge of being put out of business, but it wasn't much beyond that in terms of kind of how big a hit a legal battle is for a really small company. And so for them to have Apple come up and say, you know, to lots of us, basically, you know, you're, you're smoking something. This is You have absolutely no right to go around suing our developers. And uh, you want to take us on? Come on, let, let's do it. That's really what it came down to. So those developers were really, really happy to see Apple coming back. I like uh, Dr. Mom in our chat room who said they may be small fish, but you can make a rich stew out of many small fish. Mm. <laughs> uh, do, do, uh, John, do you, do you really think that this was the company's aim to begin with, to bring Apple into the fight? Or did they really think that they'd be able to get $3,000 a hit off of each one of these independent developers enough to... I don't know, pay for pizza and beer for whatever little strip mall office they've rented. I mean, it's, it's weird to try to figure out what they were after and if they thought they would really, all, the, all these legal, legal uh, maneuvers would actually pay off for them. That's, all, that's been my confusion with the whole thing from the beginning. Because I, I would have to say that so far it's played out pretty much exactly as I thought it would. I thought we'd get a response pretty much like this from Apple. Not right away. I think it's the sort of thing that, you know, double, triple, quadruple checked everything that they want to say that, yes, we're willing to do this. And you'll notice, too, that Apple doesn't really say exactly what they're going to do to protect developers if it keeps going, except that just the basic overview, like Adam said, of, you know, for now, we've got you. If you want to get in this fight, you've got to bring it to us. So I think what I think we have to wait and see what Lodsys does or Lodsys, whatever their whatever their name is. Yeah. They're definitely it, loads. It, and it's exactly like you said, like either A, they were hoping to bleed two, three thousand dollars here and there from hundreds, maybe even thousands of independent developers. Uh, and now their plot is foiled and they'll just go back in, in their cave and, and we'll never hear from them again. Or they they expected Apple to do this and we're going to be talking about this for the next two or three years, you know, every couple months as, as one more salvo is fired as well, this, they battle this, Apple. It's, it's, what's, what I find interesting about it is it really was odd. Most of the time, patent trolls go after the money. And so they go after the big guys because right. even though the big guys have lawyers and are willing to fight, it, they will just look at it and say, you know, it's not worth us paying our, develop, our, our legal team, you know, $2 million. And we could pay you $500,000 to make you go away. So that's, that was weird. But the other thing that I found a little odd about Launces is, is they have four patents. I mean, they're kind of a small patent troll when it comes to the troll business. And so, you know, I really wonder if they didn't think, you know, our only real chance is to go after small fish who will, who will give us a little bit of money um, and, uh, and not try to take on, take on the big guys. Um, but the whole thing really does seem pretty confused because, 
they said themselves, Apple has their pat Apple's licensed their patents. And it's pretty clear that once, you know, once you've used a patent, once you've embodied it in a product, you can keep going with that. And that's what Apple did. That is that's what this whole patent exhaustion concept is about. And the Supreme Court ruled on that in two thousand eight pretty clearly. So I'm really not sure what Lotsis could have been thinking. Um and, and it, especially because their, their patent was more specific than, than a lot of people are thinking. It was in-app purchasing, but it was specifically in-app purchasing for upgrades to the exact app. So it wasn't subscriptions and it wasn't, wasn't game levels and things like that. So it, it was just a little odd um, what, they, what they were trying to do. And, um, and so, you know, we'll see if, if you know, the, as I when I was writing about it, you know, the ball is very much back in Lonsis's court. But, um, but I think Apple has said, you know, your beef is with us and, uh, you know, we, we, we need some meat to throw to Apple legal, uh, the, the pen down below. So go to it. Yeah, we, we haven't had, I don't think I've seen a, a really good legal analysis of what this statement from Apple means to developers. Uh, if I had received one of these letters from Lotsis, I'd now be worrying about, well, I now believe that Apple has my back on this and that at some future point this will all work out. But I'm still looking at this letter that says you have X days to respond and at least enter an agreement or say that it's going to be a legal fight. I'm wondering what the temperature of the development, developer community is right now, whether it's time for them to simply tell Lotsis to you know, go stuff it or whether they still have to retain lawyers. They still have to at least gird for battle and prepare for... Uh, not being able to buy a third boat, which is, of course, uh, the sort of <laughs> level, as Lotus know, that most iOS developers are in. Uh, does anybody have a really good idea of that? Chris, you, 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 you talk to a lot of iOS people in your career as Mr. iOS. Yeah, you know, the sense I got from a lot of people, simply from Twitter streams, is a massive sense of relief and that nobody sounded like they were going to pursue this with Lotus. Basically, they were going to file this in a way in a drawer somewhere and figure that Apple was going to take care of it. And I think this is a tremendous message that Apple is sending to its developers because clearly, you know, even regardless of the problems that some developers have had getting their apps through, this was a nice demonstration of support from Apple that Apple is basically saying to them, yes, we really do need you and we're going we're gonna to cover you on exactly this kind of thing. We don't know what this means for the future, but I think for now, Apple is clearly saying not only to Lotus, but a lots and lots of other patent trolls or people who want to come in. We have a massive legal team. We have a lot of money. And if you mess with us, we're going to come and hurt you. And we're going to hurt you for years to come because we're happy to take on outfits like Google and Nokia. And you mm -hmm. patent troll are nothing to us. You are dust beneath our feet. And we will grind you. Nothing. You are, you are, yes. you are nothing. slime. <laughs> the lowest of the low. Well, the other yeah. thing as far as a patent troll goes that was fascinating was, was the way Lodzis, you know, after the whole thing broke, started posting all this stuff on their blog about, you're being really mean to us. <laughs> <laughs> We're not trolls. We're a patent holding yeah. company. <laughs> it, it, it was the, it was that scene after like the, the the state senator gets caught in a in, in a motel room with three flight attendants. <laughs> says, Let me set the record straight. I have failing eyesight, and sometimes I need people to read these these law, laws affecting your children to me. And it has really good acoustics at the the Bel Air Notel Motel Motel Motel. Have and exactly sex with that woman. Now, now I've, I'm sure that we can put this all behind us and I can just start processing these checks coming in right away. Uh, <laughs> I just needed a roll of toilet yeah. paper. 
Also, yeah, Apple, I, Apple's, Apple sort of Apple sort of like you know zinged them a little bit by saying, "Okay, know this line in your own website when you're defending yourself, in which you said yeah. that we Apple are licensing your technologies." Yeah, you know what? We're glad, and our lawyers are glad, and we're sure that a, that a judge seeing this case is going to be glad to see that you admit that we're licensing your technologies. We're going to send you a nice basket of cheeses in lieu of the tens of millions of dollars you thought you were going to get from us as a consolation <laughs> prize. Thanks for playing the trying trying to sue a multinational global brand that has about eighty billion dollars in cash. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a building full of lawyers. <laughs> yes. Right. I, and I, I think it kind of gets to the heart of the did Lodsys, did this guy Mark Small, who seems to be the only guy, I think, at yeah. Lodsys. Uh, I mean, he, he doesn't give his phone when you call. It's questionable whether the guy whose patents they are still has any kind of stake in the matter. Like he's, I think he kind of claimed to um, Matt, Matt Dan, Honan at, at Gizmodo, you know, dug into it. And it, it's unclear whether he's involved at all, but it seems like this guy, Mark Small, is Lodsis. And I presume yeah. that he is like a patent lawyer or, or at least some sort of lawyer and was going to whatever the negotiations are, he was going to, you know, it's not like he's spending money on lawyers. I guess it's his own time. I, I would, if I had to place a bet, I would think that he just did this on a lark or on a flyer <laughs> and was hoping to get, you know, Couple thousand bucks from from developer A, you know, a thousand from developer B here, there, and this constant stream of, you know, half of a percent of revenue going forward, and that he, I, I, I get the feeling, especially from that blog he wrote, uh, or he called it a blog. It it seemed weird, but <laughs> that that he was very very surprised at how public this went instantly, just by sending out a handful of private message, you know, private uh, FedEx delivered letters to these developers. Like, I don't think he knew what he was getting into in terms of uh, just how big the tech industry press is and, and how they jump on things like this. Oh, and like, particularly, I really, and absolutely too. It's not like he's going after, you know, some small time tech company. This is Apple. So anything right. that's connected to Apple is certainly going to get a lot of press. And the people who use Apple products, they have a certain loyalty to a lot of these developers. So, you know, if you go after somebody like Craig Hockenberry, people are going to care about it or or James Thompson. Um, right. We know that. I don't think he did. I think he's very surprised. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I was doing the, some. Uh, the, uh, there's I was, I was there's one other interesting thing with this whole Mark Small guy, which is that uh, it's a little unclear um, how he got these patents because he has said there's only four of them. And um, some stuff I was reading was suggesting that they were temporarily owned by Intellectual Ventures, uh, which is Nathan Mervold's company, uh, ex-Microsoft oh. guy. Yeah, and so that's how Apple light ended up licensing them, and then somehow they then move over to Lonsys, and that's huh. how that's how Mark Small gets them. And so, as Nathan, I, what I was, Nathan, I was, uh, despite his uh, you know good pedigree as a former CTO of Microsoft, actually is a little bit of a patent troll himself, I think. A little bit. Well, yeah, <laughs> Ventures has thirty thousand patents. Yeah, I'm sorry, patent holding company. Yeah. <laughs> PHC. He's a fook. Defender of the rights of of inventors. Let's That's not right. let's not poison the well. Yes, and and, and do it that way. But yeah, I was, I was talking to a bunch of uh, IP guys. They're telling me that it is the, the the it's become a lucrative enough legal business that it is possible if you are a lawyer with a 
with a uh, practice that wants to expand to take one of those three-day seminars at a Ramada Inn in which they will tell you, here is how to make money in patent and in, in suing companies for abusing patents. And there is actually, it's, it's, not as, it's not as bad as the Donald Trump make a million dollars in real estate uh, infomercial. <laughs> But, but it really, he made it, he made it sound as though it really is you receive two colored binders that explain here's how to find patents that are vague enough to be of value. Here's how, here's people you can hire to try to find companies that might, that might uh, be abusing that patent or at least do a bad enough job that you can scare some people and give you a couple thousand dollars. And here's a spreadsheet that will help you figure out how much it's going to cost for you to, def to actually fight the two or three people who aren't going to knuckle under uh, immediately. So it's, it's almost as if this is turning into a turnkey business that's going to be advertised on basis basic cable some weekend. <laughs> but All right, we're going to take, uh, I think this would be a good time to take a little break uh, and come back with more. What a great panel Andy Anako has assembled. The hair of Breen, the hair of Gruber, and the hair of Angst, and the hat the of, of the Anatko. It's too bad we couldn't get Trump. I'm sure we, we can get his hair. Get hair. <laughs> He's got right. something. We're, we're not completely clear what it is. This uh, portion of the show brought to you by our good friends, and I know you all know these guys in great, really great uh, Gene and the gang at uh, Smile Software and their fantastic products for the Mac, especially Text Expander. Uh, if you don't use Text Expander, you're really missing out on perhaps the simple, simply the most useful tool uh, on the Mac. It's also on uh, iOS, as a matter of fact. Although, um, it, you know, because of the limitations of iOS, it's not uh, quite the same. I love it on the Mac because I do a lot of uh, email boilerplate. Let's face it; people ask me the same things uh, frequently, and anytime I see that I'm sending an email out more than once, I just select it. I go to my menu and I say, make a snippet out of this. It automatically is part of Text Expander. I add an abbreviation, and from now on, anytime I want to say that, I just type. Now, what I, now I have a, everybody probably has different ways of doing this. What I do is I take a word, like for instance, if somebody asks me for my shipping address, I'll take ship and I'll put an extra S, S S H I P. Whenever I type S S H I P and hit space, it may, I love the little pop sound and it fills out my shipping address uh it's so fantastic email signatures with web addresses um i there are probably people who use it for uh, twitter anytime that you are typing something more than once text expander is incredible by the way not just text graphic snippets uh so you can you can put in a, a, actually a graphic signature uh the new text expander 3 has some really nice virtually programmable uh features um, you can you can actually automatically create uh, snippets with variables, uh, so that you fill in the variables. Uh, you can use tab, return, enter, or escape in your snippet. Now they, that that's new, and that is, um, you know, that means you can do paragraphs with returns in them and everything. Uh, it's completely Apple scriptable uh, and shell scriptable. Now we're talking. I tell you, I love the idea that I could use Bash to write to answer my email. I haven't done that yet, but someday <laughs> my bash script or my Perl script will answer all my email. You guys must, I mean, is there anybody here who doesn't use Text Expander? You, you can be honest. Andy, I can't get Andy I, to use anything. He won't use Quicksilver either. And I know what your rationale is. <coughs> if I put this on my computer at home and then I use another computer, I'll miss it. Folks, you know, it's, it's, yeah. 
It's I, I, I've seen people who are power users of uh, of text expander. It's especially what you didn't mention is that it's especially handy uh, on the iPad because it's a service that so <laughs> many other iPad uh, app developers are taking advantage of, and it really makes for me it makes much 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 bigger sense on the iPad where really sometimes you oh I guess because yeah, well, you don't want to type so much huh. Except, well, because it's, it's hard. I, I type just sort of mutant fast uh, on, on a regular keyboard. So by the time by, I find that by the time I learn and remember what tags I've, I've, mm. attached, uh, I've attached to everything, I've kind of forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. But on the iPad, you know, it's kind of a difficulty to bring things up and to type things correctly. And sometimes you're not even holding it in such a way for fast typing. And in those cases, when I really need to blow through like 60, 70 emails in, in fairly fast order, that's when I'm really glad that I have Text Expander. Uh, uh, set up uh, on on an iPad, <laughs> or when I'm when I'm writing a column, I need to like basically blow through lots of text really quickly. You see, so, I've got the, variables here. If I type D D A T E, it'll put the data in a format that I specify. I'm sorry about that screen. There we go. In a format <laughs> I specify. Uh, it's 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 a little different on iOS, but it's pretty awesome on iOS. Yeah. Uh, uh, it just depends. You know, Don McAllister did a great screencast, which you can see at SmileSoftware.com. Merlin Mann on his Kung Fu uh, Grip uh, blog also has a a great uh, expose of the new fill functionality in the text expander. This new 3.0 is, I, I didn't think you could make text expander any better. They have, it's fantastic. You can check it out for free at smilesoftware.com slash macbreak, smilesoftware.com slash macbreak. Uh, it's thirty four ninety five dollars if you want to buy it. It is on the App Store. Um, and Leo, yeah. Leo, if if you if you don't mind me pre-announcing something slightly, I'd also just like to note that we're probably a couple of just a couple of weeks away from uh, take control of Text Expander coming out. I love it. Well, I use so, the uh, I use the Tidbits autocorrect library that you made. Yeah, yeah that that's fun. You know, oh man, you guys saved me so much fixes. time. <laughs> so I know Adam's a major Text Expander fan. That autocorrect library is part of Text Expander. You can have some uh, there's uh, uh, default libraries, and that's that you can add, and that's one of them. And I absolutely, it's huge. Yeah. You yeah, that everything. was actually generated for me by a guy named Micah Alpern, who was a Princeton student at the time, and uh, he 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 said he was a terrible, terrible typist. This is God, 15 years ago now, and uh, and we were we were at Mac Hack talking about it, and I had come up, figured out a, a neat feature in Eudora that would do this, and he's like, oh, I've got the library for that, yeah. and so you know he gave me the library, and you know, and we agreed that we would just make it completely public domain, and so I've made sure to made sure any kind of place like Text Expander, you know, they have it, and they can they can do it, but it's all sorts of common typos that it just fixes. And unlike the Apple uh, feature in Snow Leopard, it doesn't use the dictionary, so you have to really like have a typo, and then it gives you the right correction rather than uh, rather fantastic. than a word that it thinks might you might mean. They've added more snippets. There's accented words, autocorrect. They have their own autocorrect. I use the Ted bits, although you could, I guess you could use both CSS snippets and HTML yes. code. That's nice because uh, you know, for instance, I don't ever type bracket a href equals quote, quote, bracket, space, bracket, slash, slash A, <laughs> bracket. I just type A, I type H-H-R-E-F. It fills all that in and puts the cursor right in the middle where I want to put the text. Things like that just make a huge difference. Well, anyway, I don't want to go on and on. Just get it, <laughs> would you? If you're not, if you're, if you're a Mac user and you don't have Text Expander, or if you have an older version of Text Expander and you haven't played with 3 yet, I'm really interested in doing the Apple scripting uh, with it. I think there's just some, so much power there. Uh, incredible. Text Expander. Get it from smilesoftware.com slash MacBreak. We thank Smile. They're <coughs> such great supporters of uh, everything uh, Apple and Macintosh. 
you know, Gene's always at Mac World Expo. They have parties. They're just great. And it's wonderful that they're supporting Mac Break. Andy, back to you. Thank you, Leo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, the next, thing, the next thing I want to get into, and it's sort of like a, a two-pronged sort of thing here. Uh, this is probably the best statement of support, this thing with loads is we're, we're off we're off a lawsuit. So we're off of legal. We've, we've done hair corner. We've done lawyer corner. And those two do have a certain <laughs> amount of overlap. I think you'll agree. Uh, I, I could have gotten into Harvard Law, but again, I lacked the necessary bouffant. Uh but it's, it's kind of interesting that all this sort of thing is all this sort of stuff is going down just a couple of weeks before WWDC. The one I always thought that the the a signal that these people at Lotus did not know what they were getting into was the fact that they decided to engage in this action two weeks before Apple and every single developer of iOS were going to be in the same room together <laughs> and and able to have a million conversations with absolutely no email trail or paper trail. That's 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 really that's not using the old noodle, pretty much. But uh, it, it really does. It's rare that that developers seem to get such a clear statement from Apple that we're on your side on something. I mean, historically, uh, well before uh, Mr. Jobs came back, it's always been, developers always felt as though Apple is here to block us, to defeat us, to make things more difficult to us and to for us and to abuse us. Now I feel as though that's no longer the case. I believe that developers now feel that Apple is here to abuse us, to be mean to us, to ignore us, to make things more difficult for us, but they also are here to make us money, so now it's suddenly okay. Okay, uh, so what, uh, what do you think the conversations are going to be about at WWDC is kind of an open question. But the, the, the second thing is that what are they going to be talking about? Have, have we ever been so close to a WWDC without any real indication of what they're going to talk about? They still haven't announced a public keynote, something that like, you know, non-developers, not, not people who haven't spent two grand like me uh, can't attend. So I'm going to start off, I think, with John on this one. John, what do you think? What's what's the relationship like, and what's WWDC going to be like? What is what 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 costume is whoever the poor sap who does the keynote? What's he going to have to come up with uh, for the first day keynote if there is one? Oh, I think there'll definitely be a keynote. Uh, the question is, will it be Steve Jobs or will it be? I would guess Phil Schiller, who filled in the last time Jobs was uh, was unavailable, mm -hmm. or Scott uh, Forstall, or or Tim Cook, or. Well, but either way, either way, no matter who's the host, I predict, though, the, the more typical keynote formula now where it's sort of like there's a host of the show right. who brings up, you know, it, it's like mm. being the, the host of the, the Labor Day telethon. You know, here comes Frank Sinatra. Here comes, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, I wonder if MDA will Dean go Martin. to Phil Schiller uh, I, now that Jerry Lewis is not going to be doing the uh, Labor Day telethon. Right, right, yeah. Uh, so, you know, here comes... Here comes Forstall to talk about iOS 5. Here comes, uh, you know, somebody else to talk about this. Um, but I do agree with your larger point, though, where in, in the broad sense, really, uh, there's almost nothing. It's, it's this vacuum of information. I mean, the iCloud thing... Um, Everybody acts like, well, we know they're going to talk about iCloud, but that's just because somebody got it on the uh, the record that that Apple bought the domain name. But nobody knows anything about what it does. I mean, we have ideas. Everybody has their wishes of what they hope it does. Uh, and I guess we know a little bit about the music stuff, where there's been enough stuff that's leaked, presumably from the music labels, and that Apple has been unlike Amazon and Google, who've gone for this cloud-based storage without procuring any additional licenses from the music labels that Apple is actively negotiating with them to expressly permit online storage of music that you own. But is WWDC uh, the place to announce such a consumer-focused product, really? 
<sighs> yeah. Sort of. Sort yeah, of. Because- and it has been. I mean, that's why they've traditionally done the hardware announcements there is right. that it's not developer. I mean, the keynote often isn't very developer-y. That's true. Uh, and, and in fact, most years, there's effectively a second keynote after the keynote, which is like <coughs> 10 a.m., there's the keynote. And it goes from 10 till 11.30 or noon, and then there's a break, and you can go get something to eat, and you come back, and at like 1 or 1.30, um, in the old days, it used to always be called the Mac OS X State of the Union, but that's when Mac OS X was, was the only thing that they had at WWDC. Um, but it was effectively the technical keynote. It is, okay, the, the fake the fake developers are all gone. The press right. is gone. <laughs> Nobody's here now except paying developers. Here's the technical lowdown. On now we can do. tell you the truth. Right. And then Let's you talk get, EPIs. Right. That's when you get slides that, that have source code in them right. up on the screen. Right. Um, so I think it's always been like that. And it's because this is the only time of the year now that Apple has a public keynote. Now that they've dropped out of Macworld Expo, this is the one time per year where somebody from Apple is going to get up in front of 4,500 live, very excited attendees who are going to, uh, you know, be very loud and, and give this sort of, you know, I don't think it's hyperbolic to describe it as almost a rock concert-like atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have that anymore anywhere else because when they do these other special events, like when the iPad came out, uh, the fall thing in the music, it's it's a much smaller room filled with press. And the press claps, but it's sort of a polite clapping. I mean, it's not... It's not <laughs> because they're actually, they're actually thinking about things and not simply being religious in their attitude and their reaction. Well, to and the other Extra thing, too, that I noticed, I, I noticed this because I don't do live blogging at Daring Fireball. So I go to these things and I don't... You actually like to blog. think about what you're going to write. <laughs> you're not here's typing. A, here's your mistake. And, well, and I'm just a really, I'm not a, I'm not a good typist. I couldn't keep up. By the time I got done typing up a sentence, I'd miss something. And, you know, uh, like I've seen some of these other guys who are so good at yeah, it, like totally. Jason Snell yeah. from Macworld. He types so fast. I, I mean, yeah. I can't believe it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I look around the press room at those things, and almost everybody's live blogging it. Uh, so the the applause is actually I think it's gotten a little bit lower because everybody's too busy <laughs> typing. <laughs> you so if he says uh, something so good, you hear a sudden clack 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 clack. <laughs> so, right. so it might so it might actually be in Apple's best interest to do it like the state of the the actual state of the union where the press gets the entire speech like ten minutes beforehand. Yeah. We can load yeah. it into our own version of a teleprompter where line by line it gets live blogged from our accounts. Meanwhile, we can we all have our fans free to to applaud uh, and also take illegal pictures that we will also be live blogging. If they would only just stream the damn thing, then everybody wouldn't have to live blog it. That, that, that is, yeah. Actually, that is interesting. I wonder why Google, Google does that uh, with with all of their tech keynotes yeah. and most of their events. I'm wondering why uh, Apple now can't. They can't. They certainly can't say that they don't have the technology to stream. Well, they did it. Well, they did it. Uh, the one before last, right? So yeah. they actually, and and a lot of people were there live blogging. Went, oh. So it will be commentary now. And actually, I I preferred that. I like yep. mm-hmm. having people not have to say, and then this, and then this. But instead, they could sit and think about it for a couple of minutes and say, I think this is what this means and mm-hmm. give you much better insight into what's actually happening. Instead of trying to snap oh. pictures without Apple PR coming over and slapping you in the back of the head and then <laughs> posting those and posting what's happening without the benefit of anybody jumping in and saying, well, we'll, we'll back up. This is important because of this. Sure, you get a chance to do that later, but I like that seeing that in the stream as well. 
Well, and I think, I mean, what the live blogging is doing is it's, it's putting a lie to the whole, whole fact that this is some kind of private event that only the press gets to go to. With the live blogging, everyone in the world can basically get, you know, the live transcript. And so I think Apple would actually be better off to webcast the whole thing, let everyone watch for real. And that way they're saying what they want to say and it's not going to this filter of what Jason and Dan Morin can type really quickly yeah. or what Jason, uh, Jackie Chang and you know Clint can get pictures of. I mean, it's, it's. I, mean, I watch these things when they come out because I often don't fly to the West Coast just to you know be at, a, at an hour and a half talk. And uh, yeah, they're they're useful, but I really far preferred it when Apple just webcast the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very much on the fence uh, about whether I'm even going to be going to WWDC this year, chiefly because I there there, there are things I need to, as a journalist. There's things I need to get that I can only get there live at the event to justify my spending a thousand bucks to fly out there and, and uh, be in a hotel for a couple of nights. And right now I'm not convinced I'm gonna get those things that I will not be getting simply yeah. by reading other people's live blogs, mm -hmm. talking to PR people afterwards, talking to developers I know who are gonna be there uh, because I'm not this, I don't have to live blog, it's just something that I do because otherwise I'm just sitting in my, my living room in my pajamas at 2 p.m. East Coast time for absolutely no reason. Uh, this way I can at least say that I'm doing something tax deductible that I can get paid for. <laughs> But uh, it's 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 interesting that it's we have these events that Apple will simply drop on the media on basically one week's notice without any real idea of here's what you will here's what you will be getting if you spend your newspaper your websites or your TV stations uh, travel budget to fly out here. It's really difficult for those of us on the East Coast to make those decisions time and time again. Yeah, and Apple, I don't know. This is historic. Apple doesn't care. They don't have to. They get <laughs> so, the coverage so, anyway. For Christ's so, sake, we spent 10 hours talking about an update on the Apple Store. <laughs> well, so, well, so, 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 where, so where, where, would be, where would be on the totem pole? So we know that customers are supposed to be up here. Now, developers in the media have to jockey for number two and number three position. Oh, no. There's and, no question where we are. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. I think there's no. On the other hand, it's not as though I can, I can write something, but then I have to submit it for approval <laughs> through Apple saying, yes, we will allow you to, to, to publish this iPad too thing yeah. or say okay it's it's instead like their relationship with developers is it's often like one of those prices right games where you frenetically do all this work then you pull the lever you see a big red x a buzzer sounds they will not tell you what's wrong with the price that you chose but you're allowed to go back and change it and pull the lever again yeah. so on that yeah. basis maybe i'd rather be a journalist than an ios developer <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't have to get apple approval of everything <laughs> so, so, so i kind so of bank on saying? apple's disapproval <laughs> oh, so, oh, so, so you're going for the you're going for the outsider rebel angle. Yeah, That's yeah. The, you're you're a maverick. You're unbroken. You're untamed. If there is an you're, enemies list in Steve Jobs' office, I want to be on it. <laughs> you have been audited <laughs> by Apple, by the Apple iTunes Store, <laughs> for reasons that you can never understand, but yeah. you absolutely yeah. I, see. I get the feeling that everybody is on Steve Jobs' enemy list. It's just a matter of how. <laughs> now low wait you a minute. Want. If anybody is not on Steve Jobs' enemy list, John Gruber. It is uh, you. See, he a, even think, said I, he he invoked your name, John. He one said, well, time, I think where he Gruber's was like, well, got one it pretty time right. This guy was, was vaguely vaguely right. I I still think that <laughs> bottom line, he probably thinks I'm a total jerk. And, well, if, if he doesn't no, like I you, don't I don't know who he likes. Bozo. I think I, I think uh, I, I go ahead. I'm sorry, John. I interrupted. I just think that I'm lower on the bozo list than than many others. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I think I think that's I think that's exactly right. But pe what people tend to to ignore is that especially people, especially journalists, we and this is not a bad thing. 
It's not if you let yourself think that Apple loves you or Apple does not love you, you stop being of any use whatsoever to the readers and right. to and to the users. That's not you the just, issue. They're, they're just they're just times when the mess that your audience is extremely useful to Apple at this specific right. moment. Also, uh, you know, I, I think I, I can certainly praise John as saying that he has demonstrated to Apple that he's not going to be one of those bozos who, if you're if you're entrusted with pre-release product, he's not going to like try to he's not going to go go to a bar and try to like pick up chicks. Say, hey, babe, look, <laughs> so you heard about that that new iPad too? Well, guess who has one? Look how easily the new the new speech to text can do do something like. Capture your phone number and your address. <laughs> so, it's just it's unlike that, say that, Lion previews, which are everywhere now. Yeah, but but doesn't doesn't Apple sort of understand that they can't really control what happens to an I to uh, to a developer preview after you put it in the hands of three thousand people? Who's only exactly who's only proof of trustworthiness yeah. is that I can find a hundred dollars. Yeah. But yeah, but so the well, irritating thing is, is those people who do honor their NDAs are sitting, we're sitting here going, well, I can't talk about it. Sorry, I can't talk about it. Sorry, I can't talk about it. And everyone who wants to blow off an NDA is publishing screenshots of well, everything left thank, and right. Thank goodness for them, because one, uh, most NDAs, I, I don't sign NDAs, but, I, but tell, you guys tell me, uh, most NDAs say once it's public knowledge, you can talk about it. So thank goodness for these guys who blow their NDAs, because then we can write about it, right? I mean, I don't That's, sign NDA, so I'm yeah, always in the clear because that way I can talk about anything dubi. I know. It's, it's still a little questionable because you, I mean, yes, it's a question of public knowledge, but and uh, as a journalist, you can usually say that you are writing about an event, um, but uh, but nonetheless, it's it's not something you wish to necessarily get into with Apple Legal if you can avoid it. That's why I don't sign And again, if, if you've signed an NDA, say, hey, I'm not going to talk about this. Usually you're not going to talk about it, you know, until it's public. And and Apple didn't yeah. make it public; someone else leaked it. So yeah, it just feels a little sleazy sometimes. Yeah, you, you really have to understand what the intent of the NDA is. And while if, if I'm on a live podcast and someone asks me a question about pre-release developer <laughs> developer-only software, no idea that, who would do that. That's a, that's <laughs> that's why I have Buster the Wonder Silence Dog. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't ask me stupid questions while we're live. You do you. It's, it's yeah. one thing. To, it's one thing to say, "Well, I read on Apple Insider right. that there's a new yeah. system for doing this." It's another thing for me to like write a column saying, "Here's an advanced peek based on screenshots I found online." Because clearly, I'm trying to just get around, uh, get around an NDA. Yeah. And really, an NDA is a bond of trust that you are from, you are free to enter into or to reject. But if you enter into it, you've promised some person that you're not going to make them look like an idiot to their boss. And that's really the that, that's the crux of it for me. I, th I think that the, the, the Lion situation though shows the priorities of Apple as a whole. So we, they've got two new major OS updates that are coming out, I would guess, both this year. There's Lion for Mac OS X, and then there's iOS 5. Uh, right. So Lion, there's a developer preview that's been out for months, and uh, they even have a little promotional site on Apple.com where they show you some of the features that are in Lion. Um, and they've changed it much. A whole bunch of little things have changed between now and then. And people who pay attention to the sites that that every time there's a new update and they publish all the new screenshots of what's new, you know, 15 minutes after Apple makes it available, um, you can see it all. Now, iOS 5 has not been seeded outside Apple. And uh, it's apparently, I mean, I haven't seen anything on any of the rumor sites or the sites that would post, you know, even sketchily sourced. Uh, screenshots. I mean, that w yeah. whatever's going on yeah. with iOS 5 is locked tight. Uh, and presumably developers need to know, you know, what's coming out. Uh, 
just as much as they do with Lion. But Apple knows that if they seeded it, that it would leak. So, and then the other thing that I think is interesting about that is the last two years, three years, maybe maybe even three years, 2008, 2009, and 2010, Apple had an event in like March or so where they had on campus and it was like a preview of the, the next version of uh, iOS. And here's a handful of developers. Here's a guy from EA who's going to show you a game that uses these new OpenGL things. And here's, uh, you know, somebody else who's going to show you this new thing. Uh, we've had them here on campus for two weeks and, you know, this is what they cranked out in yeah. two weeks, blah, blah, blah. They didn't do that this year. Um, and you know what and I'm I think get, that's, I'm I think I'm that's betting conspicuous. that they're feeling the heat from Android. Yeah, they don't want to, they don't want to tip their hands on iOS 5 such that it, their features can be newer um, without other people copying them as much. Right. But does, does Apple tend to do a lot of features that can be easily copied? I mean, right, right. Today, Steve Ballmer, the, again, at the editor plan of the tech, the tech CEO industry, uh, is, uh, was uh, on, the, on a big stage showing what the next version of the Windows Phone OS is going to be. And it has a lot of really nice things, but most of them are, oh, uh, speech to text. Okay, let's do that. Or, okay, support for Twitter. I think we can put that in iOS if we wanted to. <laughs> whereas, whereas Apple tends to think, well, how do you copy AirPlay in such a, in such a way that it looks anything like the way that AirPlay works, for instance? Well, you could talk to Google about that in their new music service because I think <laughs> largely it was half an hour of them going through, well, and we, we took this from iTunes, but we changed that name and we took this and I, we're not calling it genius, but we're saying it's ingenious. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, here's feature X, Y, and Z that all came directly from iTunes and yet they just renamed them and said, like, isn't this fantastic? It was great in iTunes three years ago and it's, maybe it'll work on your platform as well. Yeah, I thought that, I thought that was curious too. Now, well, actually, let's talk a little bit about iCloud if we could. Before you do, let's okay, take a break. Speaking let's, of let's, the cloud, let's, let's, thank a, let's thank a sponsor before and you thank talk a about sponsor, it. and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. Andy Anako is here with Chris Breen, the Mac Daddy, from uh, Mac World Magazine, MacWorld.com, and Adam Engst from Tidbits.com, who really is the Mac Daddy. I think he's been writing about the Mac longer than almost anybody. I wrote my first article about the Mac in 1984 for Byte. So that might qualify me. But uh, I think no, you yeah, you're, you're earlier there. But it I've was, been publishing my own thing longer than anyone else. There you go. I like that. <laughs> you everyone's got to have their own little niche. You know, I was yeah. like, well, if you slice it and dice it this way, <laughs> I look really good. Well, get a niche. I am <laughs> the only guy who sits on a blue ball and talks about the Macintosh. How about that? <laughs> oh, go <well>. there. <laughs> I'll just let you Too keep late. saying that. <laughs> Already <laughs> did. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Hover.com. Hover is a great domain name registrar. You might say, well, why do I need to change my domain name registrar? Well, if you say that, then you probably don't really use your domain name registrar because if you do use most of these guys, you'll know what a pain it is with all the clicks and the upsell and the difficulty in managing your stuff and just the junk on the page. It makes it very hard to use. Hover is very simple. In fact, that's their kind of... Tagline, domain name registration made simple. It's, they, they don't sell a lot of uh, additional features. They just give you what you want, which is you come up with a name, you go to the Hover site. In fact, if you do, please go to macbreak.hover.com and, uh, and you register the domain name. And a couple of clicks later, you're done. Uh, they do do a few additional things. They, uh, they also will do um, 
uh, email forwarding for you, domain forwarding, those kinds of things. They do build in domain name privacy, who is privacy automatically, so they're not going to upsell you on that. Uh, they do support all the major TLDs, .com, .net, .org, .biz, .info, and a few unusual ones, .co, .ca, .us, .cc. There's .tv, .bz, .me, .tel. Anyway, go there and you'll find out. There's, it's all there. And I love this feature. Uh, the Transfer Concierge Service. If you, like me, have a whole bunch of domain names, Hover will, as because you're a member of the MacBreak Weekly audience, they will offer you a free domain transfer service. Now, normally this is $25. Uh, you can click that transfer your domain thing and you'll see. And that's still a pretty good deal for your 1,000 domains or 100 domains, 25 bucks. But they're going to waive that fee for those of you who are listening to this show. That's nice. It is $10 for each domain you transfer, but that $10 extends the domain for one full year. So that's a very good deal. And you'll get 10% off by going to macbreak.hover.com. So I've got three deals for you. Hover is so great. These, these From the folks at Two Cows, you might remember them as Domains Direct. They've rebranded and uh, and I think solved a lot of problems by just making it as simple as can be. We uh, Anytime I now I need to don't do a domain name registration, I just go to macbreak.hover.com. And it's a couple of clicks of the mouse and I'm in and out and I love it. Great domain management tools as well. Um, if you don't have a web page, this is a good way to start. Even more importantly, if you're still using, you know, at gmail.com or at aol.com or at yahoo.com as your email address, you'll look a whole lot more professional if you have a custom domain name. It could still end up at Gmail or AOL or Yahoo, but people will email you at your custom domain, you know, leo at leoville.com. And, uh, well, that doesn't very professional, actually, but uh, it, leo at twit.tv. There you go. That's also registered through Hover.com. And, uh, and the, also the advantage is if I uh, change Internet email providers, I don't have to change my address. I just change the forwarding at Hover, and it automatically goes to my new provider. That's nice, too. So your last email address for the rest of your life, get it at MacBreak.Hover.com. They also have a we-will-never-put-you-on-hold service that they guarantee. If you call during business hours, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern, you will not be put on hold. They will solve your problem. And I get so many tweets from people all the time who say, Hover had the best service. They really, you know, solved my problem. They fixed the issue. They're great. MacBreak.Hover.com. Give them a try today. And we thank them for their support of MacBreak Weekly. And so, a personal testimonial. I had uh, I had three domains at uh, deadelephants.com. Yeah. And, uh, and I transferred those over to Hover uh, using this very deal, and it worked out beautifully. Thank you, Chris. Really, really easy to do. Yeah, we've transferred so all, also from Dead Elephants. So now we know where Deadelephants go to die? <laughs> they want to. Yeah, they're too big to live. Um, <laughs> Mr. Look at Mr. Big Shot at geocities.com webpage. Isn't, isn't good enough for you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> fine. fine. Uh, you know me, what? Me could, and you world are doing just fine. Thank you very much. You know, I've been uh, using uh, the Google um, Music service because I went to Google I.O. and I got the uh, the invite uh, for some time. You know, it, it's, it has some advantages, say, over Amazon service. For instance, I can upload 20,000 songs, but I have to upload each and every one of them. I've got about 8,000 songs on there right now. Um, what's nice, though, is they show up on all my uh, um, Google devices without having to download them. They stream. Um, but Google's <laughs> missing a big piece of what Apple presumably would bring to the table, which is sales. 
They yeah, don't sell it's, it's, music. It's it's weird. It seems I I got it about a week ago myself, and it took about five days for my music library just just my the subset that's on my MacBook to upload. And I know that's five thousand songs, but it shouldn't take that many days for that many for that little amount of data to, to upload. And the thing that it's it seems like a really really great thing if you are using an Android phone and an Android tablet because it really it is. is it really is pretty cool when you don't even have to think about syncing right. because all of your music is available. And if there's something you like enough that you want to be able to listen to it on the plane, you tap a button and it immediately caches. But it's it's kind of it's it really does seem like a, a half budded uh, solution uh, because here I've now I've gone and uploaded five thousand songs into my library. I'm thinking that well, great, that's a great advantage because if my if my laptop is stolen, I don't have a backup. I've uh, backed up my entire library. No, the cloud. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't even re-download your right. own music back yeah. into the devices that you actually own. But do you blame um, Google for that, or does that have more to do with the record companies? Come no, on. it's a record. Think, well, no, I, well, yeah, it's the record companies. But Amazon is perfectly fine with letting you re-download stuff. There, because it's. You, it's well, you're we, right. I mean, we need we need these big. What I love about big 800 pound gorilla companies like Google and Amazon and Apple is that they have the ability to. They 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 can't really be pushed around. Amazon can say we have lawyers. Our lawyers have told us that right. if someone if a record company tries to sue us, we can tell them that we're just doing network storage. And whenever someone uploads to our service, they're also entitled to download. If you want to fight us on that, please keep in mind that our CEO has enough money to buy his his own space fleet, and that is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> consider that before you try to sue us into removing a feature that makes our product more useful. Uh, so, I mean, it's just it's the, the Google Music. It's it's interesting. It's nice for it's nice for Android users, but it's just so it's just lacking in so many ways. It's just a very boring product. I, so we, I think Amazon is a lot like Apple in certain ways, and one of them is that I think when Amazon launches something new, they like to have a very concise story to go with it. Like, what is the Kindle hardware? It is a reader, right? Right. It is a thing for reading. It's that not is a what tablet, you do. It's with. not anything else, just a reader, right? Oh, that's and all it's that's their story for it. it. And and it is it is and to aid in that, they it is also very easy to buy new things to read right on the device. That's the story. Their their music service has a, the story is it's just like a USB thumb drive except it's over the internet, right? It's a storage locker. <laughs> It is storage just like a thumb drive, and instead of being something you plug in physically, it is something you need um, an internet connection for, and that's it. And so that's their explanation for why can you download the stuff you've already uploaded, because right. it's just like a USB well, uh, drive. And it makes sense to a user. It's very and clear. If, yeah, it makes sense well, to users. It's very clear. It's also kind of lame. <laughs> well, I don't, well, so. I don't. I disagree. Hey, I gotta tell you I, something. Let me, this morning, Lady Gaga put uh, her new album on sale on Amazon for ninety nine cents, and the demand was so actually yesterday, right? And the demand was so huge that Amazon servers could barely keep up with all the downloads. I think a lot of people are using Amazon's cloud service. I didn't have to download it; it was already on the service. I can play it from the service. Uh, Apple was offering Lady Gaga's uh, what is it? Born this way. Yeah. Born this way, yeah. For eleven dollars and ninety six cents, ninety nine cents on Amazon. Uh, I'm sure Amazon's taking the yeah. loss there, not Lady Gaga, but that's huge. Yeah, yeah that's, well, I think Amazon, like, and Amazon has done story. a very, very Apple sort of answer to this, where they're providing a really nice integrated solution. Uh, I buy. It, uh, 
Apple and uh, the iTunes store and the Amazon MP3 store have been in a constant fight for my favors for the past couple of years. I keep waffling between one and the other for my digital music purchases. And what has gotten me to buy a lot more music on Amazon now is the knowledge that if I do the one-click album purchase and I buy this as an MP Amazon MP3 album, not only will it automatically go into my iTunes library, just like if I purchase it via the iTunes store, but a second copy of this album will also automatically be added to my cloud <coughs> storage on Amazon, where I can not only access it from really any device on the planet, but also it means that all my purchases are being backed up for me. I don't have to contact technical support and say, hi, yeah, I accidentally set my MacBook on fire and I haven't backed up in three months. Could you please let me re-download the stuff that I already purchased? I don't even have to do that because it's, yeah. already, it's already there. And so at least they're adding something other than your, your, your reward for five days worth of uploading in which you can't really use your network because it's being choked with bandwidth is that you get to not have to spend 10 minutes <laughs> producing a smart playlist in iTunes and we'll do all that sort of so stuff So this is my question. I mean, I think the Amazon service is pretty compelling. They had kind of a coming-of-age moment today with Lady Gaga. What is Apple going to do with iCloud yeah. to compete? They have to have an active locker instead of a passive one. Right. And that's, that's What's the that mean? It's, it, well, what that means <laughs> is a passive locker is where you either, um, you as a user, have to upload all your stuff um, so it, it demonstrates that you own it. So if I can, if I have it on my computer, I upload it to the cloud. Therefore, I own this stuff, regardless of where I got it initially. Um, in the case of Amazon, they have to go through this sort of goofy gavotte in order to, you've purchased it there, and they take an additional copy, and they put it on their server so that presumably if the RIAA comes over and yeah. says, we want to see Chris Breen's copy of... Uh, you know, dazed and confused, oh, certainly, let's just open this locker here, and here it is. And look, it's got his name on it. It shows that, that we have that. But you said so the key a, words, the RIAA. That, I mean, that's why, they're, that's why they do it. Does Apple have the cojones not to have to do that? So the well, idea with an active locker is that basically you set up a, you simply send them a database, like the genius feature in iTunes, of what you own. And then... You say, look, I own this, or Apple has a record of everything I've purchased, and says, okay, well, we already know he owns it. We're not, not going to make him go through the trouble of uploading it or actually put another copy in here. We'll just go from the database. He owns it. We'll stream it from our server. Bang. Done. So no uploading, no rigmarole on Apple's end. Simply just say, this is what you own. We know you own it because you gave us money for it, and that should be good enough for you, RIA. And at this point... That's, I think, why Apple is negotiating with record companies. Unlike Amazon and Google, who did not, Apple's going to them because Apple has some clout in this business. And Amazon clearly does as well. But I think Am that Apple has a little more clout so that they can go to the record companies and say, we really want to make an active locker. What do you need from us in order to do that? And maybe their answer is a little more money. Maybe we want you to highlight more of these artists. Something. Um, they got variable pricing from Apple for a, a different kind of deal. So I'm sure the record companies have a laundry list of stuff that they want. Apple now is going to go to them and say, okay, let's look at your list. This is what we want in return. We'd like to have an active locker so that our customers can get the stuff they purchased from us. Um, ideally, that would be video too, but with, with broadband caps, that gets very tricky. What do you think about subscription, though? I mean, that's the other thing that, that gets interesting once you have an active locker is that you can say, let me download all this stuff, yeah. which I have paid you some amount per month for, and then take it away when I stop paying you because you control my locker. I love I subscription. I'm the one guy 
Maybe no, two. in the entire well, Mac two. universe. Okay, two. Okay. But both of us love subscription, and everybody else says, well, I don't want to rent my music because Apple said I shouldn't. But if you're a music geek and you're the kind of person who likes to go to new restaurants just to try a different style of food and not eat the same stuff day after day, subscription is wonderful because you could have access to 11 million tracks. And so if I want to explore the entire works of John Coltrane and every sideman in the band, I can do that. But that isn't the way a lot of people listen to music. Well, people have but I, I'd, actually, 30. I'd actually argue with you slightly that I'm the, I'm the reverse. I buy very little new music. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason is, is that I don't want to buy anything unless I know I'm going to like it. No, you're just right. an old you're fart. Not most just people. face it. Yeah, I'm cheap, too. But <laughs> you're an old fart. <laughs> So, but you know, but the fact is, is that if I could just listen to stuff, and that's you know, when I find a site, um, uh, I found this amazing site called Daytrotter um, recently, where they, I, I don't even understand it yet, but they've got a lot of music you can listen to for free, and even download for free, um, and you know, uh, indie bands usually, and, uh, and and I just really like it because it's easy. I don't have to think about whether or not it has value to me. I can just listen to it. And if it does later, I can go and, and, and well, do something more. But that's why I like subscription services. I use Mog, RDO, and the mm -hmm. same. they're great for discovery because I've paid for everything they've got. I actually use Mog because they have the largest database and the highest quality. And right. that's a great way to discover new music. They're not indie artists. They're, I almost said real artists. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're meat dress wearing I, I, artists. I completely agree with you. I think it's a tremendous way to discover new music, um, and particularly when you have tie-ins to devices like Sonos, which I know, Leo, you've yeah, got, just so. got. Sonos just added Mog, and it's fantastic. It's fantastic, and and Squeezebox supports these things, too. Mm -hmm. Plus, being able to, uh, they have you know, iOS apps that do it, so you can stream to those as well as download, because as long as you continue paying, you get to download the stuff. Not yeah. at huge bit rates, but still great access. But I, I think it's a tough sell for most people. Um, and I think that the record companies really like subscriptions. They make good money on this stuff. The artists don't, but the record companies do okay. Um, but I think Apple is going to shy away from it because they like that iTunes model. They like you buying stuff from them. And I, and I don't know if subscription makes financial sense to them. They're doing quite well as they are now. All right. People clearly get the iTunes music store because yeah. it's, you know, I forget how many it's a music billion, store. I mean, literally <laughs> billions of, of songs sold. Uh, yeah, but it also was the first good music store. And I think I wonder now that there is competition. You know, it's so yeah. clever to have the 99 cent Gaga thing because what you get is a lot of people who would never even think of buying music from Amazon trying it once. They've got the downloader now. If it's a good experience for them, they like the cloud locker. All of a sudden, that's a bunch of people you can move over because yeah. now there's competition. There wasn't, John, there was no competition for so long. Yeah, no, I, I think Amazon's music service is great. I, yeah. I think it's, you know. And for a long time, we debated on this show. Alex Lindsay always said, oh, it's too hard to use. It's too hard to use. And I'm not sure yeah, that's, you, I think you, when you people in, see. Yeah, you, 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 inst you install one free app that Amazon automatically suggests to you when you buy a song. And it will, if you have this app installed, automatically everything you download from Amazon MP3 will be installed into iTunes. So it really is, uh, really is very seamless. But I think that one of the things that, aren't, that isn't being discussed is sometimes it's the really low-tech, simple, stupid, uh, traditional marketing things that work really great. Amazon is doing a whole month worth of stuff where they have uh, nearly 2,000 albums that are available for five bucks each. And we're not talking about you know the 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 guy from Simply Red who did a solo album. The second solo album <laughs> hey, did after wait a that. Minute. That's We're a good that album. Right <laughs> <laughs> you know he'll be he'll be cleaning your pool later on. I think. Uh, <laughs> 
but these are like great albums. It's like I, I'm like okay, let's look at okay. I don't care about that part. Holy cow! Like 32 Ray Charles. Okay, bye. Yep. Oh my. Yep. Yeah, yep. I've, I've always wanted to get cold. Okay, bye, Am bye. I'm thirty five dollars in, and I've only on like page three of these of these. Amazon's deals. brilliant. And, you and, know, I and, check and, the and the app store guy. every day for the Android free app of the day. They've got me going there now in a habit every single morning. Okay. I go to the Amazon MP3 store every single morning to see what the new free. You know, cheap. They're very smart. Do not uh, under. Do not. Skinner would be proud. Yeah, they got a little Skinner box there, and it's all you know, and one click and everything. Click, click, click. Please. I'm sorry, Andy. I didn't want to interrupt you, but I just think that they're doing a good job. No, Adam's right. There should just for like one day, maybe April Fool's Day. I think every single buy it now button should simply be relabeled "shot of endorphins." <laughs> administer, administer. Oh, that's the stuff. Administer. I I also think that with Amazon, with their incredible discounts on these things, and I I'm the same way. Where a lot of times somebody will just Twitter, "Hey, I you know." Ray Charles is a great example where it's like, or, or Frank Sinatra, like here's this great Sinatra album from 61. Amazon's got it for three ninety nine or mm -hmm. something like that. And it's just so stupid cheap that you're like, well, I've got to buy it, right? right? You're not talking 99 cents for a song. When you're talking like three bucks, four bucks or five bucks for a, a whole album, it really is like, you know, it, it's the point that like the, what do they call the stuff at the checkout counter? Uh, impulse uh, buy. Impulse buy, right. And yeah. I it's can't because I get eight tracks for the at, a, at, a, at a garage sale. Amazon. You got to buy the whole box, <laughs> right? And I can't help but think that it's good. It's good for a lot of these back catalog artists right. that it can generate a lot of money that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Now um, I presume Amazon's the one losing money on this. I know on the apps, what they do is they they decide which one's free, and then they pay the app developer. Uh, I think it's twenty percent of the total of the full sale sale price. Uh, just to allow them to sell it for free, but Amazon's got to be losing. You know, they lose money on it on these. I would. But they presume. make up for it in volume. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the record companies are giving them yeah, part maybe. of a break on this because I do think that they want to get away from iTunes. Sure, and this catalog is so dominant, right? And if if people get in the habit of going, oh, cool, I can get the Lady Gaga album, you know, Spinal Tappy as the cover may be, uh, for ninety nine cents. <laughs> Maybe I'll come back as long as they keep shoveling these sort of bargains to me. And then you get people to sign up for Amazon who haven't before. Now they've got you on their mailing list. They can send you out and say, hey, by the way, you love that Lady Gaga thing. Look, her mother, Madonna, is coming out with a new album next week. And, <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, tell you how bad it is. I almost bought Jay-Z's first album because it's on sale this morning for, three, for I think, uh, $3.99. <laughs> I don't even like Jay-Z. Yeah. <laughs> but it's four bucks. But it's four bucks. It's, and it's, it is his first like, album. It's like you're getting six dollars for free. Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You're making money on the deal. I was this <laughs> close. And maybe I will, because it is. It's four bucks. But it, I it do think Amazon is doing for music a little bit what Apple did for apps, where They've taken the prices to this low level yeah. where, no, I, I mean, and that's not like everybody's making a lot of money. And it's just like with the App Store where there are thousands and thousands of developers with 99 cent and $1.99 apps who are only making like, a, they're lucky if they make a couple hundred bucks a month. You know, they're not doing it as a career. It's not a lot of money. But some, a lot of developers are. And they've changed the dynamics of the price times quantity equals revenue from the way it used to be before the app store to now, like in the old days, shareware or whatever you wanted to call it, indie software, like even 999 was considered super cheap. 
like lots and lots of utilities were, you know, started at around 20 bucks. I mean, in the 15 and $10 price range was the low end. And with, I mean, some of the apps you can get for a 99 cents are just astounding. You can just tell huge amounts of work went into it. And presumably if they're doing well, it's because you're making way less money per sale, but making so many more sales than you ever did or could have imagined mm -hmm. before that it makes up mm -hmm. for it. And I think Amazon does that with music. I think that some of these albums have got to be selling so many more copies at, at four or five bucks than they ever would have at $11. Well, and if you're Ray it, Charles it or even Jay-Z and you're selling this catalog uh, and you sold, you know, 500000 at three ninety nine yesterday, that's all good. That's all golden. Yeah. And part, part of it is just keeping uh, back catalog music alive. Right. Uh, people people were, were, were asking, like, the surviving members, members of the Beatles, why would you do something as crikey as license your music uh, to a Cirque du Soleil? Why would you do something like do a video game based on it? Why would John Lennon's estate allow, like, old footage of John Lennon to be used to advertise a car in Europe? And the answer always comes back because it's there are new generations. Well, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the answer? <laughs> love, Bing, if you're a Beatles fan, you know that love is the answer, Leo. <laughs> I'm sorry. Love. <laughs> I lost my hippie card. <laughs> but they, but they, 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 always, they always bring up a point that uh, because we, our generation and the generation that came right after us grew up with familiar, familiarity with these people that we know who Sinatra is, we know who the Marx Brothers are, we know who the Beatles are, but there are new generations that were born in the 80s and the 90s who, who didn't who didn't grow up with, with that music coming out of every single radio and every single TV set. And so they need that. It's valuable to them if they're not making a lot of money on these $5 albums, at least it's getting people who are 18, 19, 20, 21 to buy a Ray, Ray Charles album and maybe associate that with a really good performer that they'd like to keep plugged into. There's actually another interesting fact I've, I've, I've learned about uh, people who are in their probably, you know, well, at this point, early 20s, late teens, early 20s, which is that popular culture has become fairly fragmented. So they don't have a lot in common with one another. Oh, that's interesting. And so... When I've when I've done I've gone to I mean I'm in Ithaca so I go see things at Cornell quite a lot, and um, and when students have to come up with well, costumes or themes or things like that, they often go back to the 80s. That's even true. The 70s, yep. 60s, because that's what they have in common yep. still because of their parents. Oh, you think that's why? Because I, I noticed yeah. that in high schools too. They're yeah. listening to classic rock, and I'm thinking. What? It, it's, be, it's because all of the other stuff is so fragmented, fragmented that, you know, yeah. everyone has their own little niche niche market, right. but uh, but everyone still knows who the Beatles are. Right, right. I think No, right. it's because today's music is no <laughs> darn good. <laughs> it's true. It's stinking music, all this noise, it's noise, noise, noise. The rap music today gives me a headache. It does. Me too. And that hip hop -y stuff, <laughs> it musses my hair. You know what I'm saying? I can't I knock the hustle, man. I can't knock the either. hustle. When I, when I was a kid, our trousers were straight. These flared trousers. I don't get what the... I <laughs> even walk with those damn flared trousers. Waistcoats, too. I saw a kid going to school without a waistcoat. And, what? and, and no spats. WTF. No spats? What if you splash some mud on... Some horse poo on your shoe there? <laughs> <laughs> And now while we each add an additional onion to our belts. <laughs> hey, we want to do our picks of the week. But, Danny, I know there's a few more stories you want to cover. 
Uh, not. Actually, actually, we've been talking and talking and talking and having a good time. Uh, there was, I think we can go right to picks of the week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will, save, I will, I will, I will save the jackpot question. Unfortunately, there was going to be uh, a winner of this week's jackpot question for the panel who was going to win this beautiful, handsome Jim Lee Batman uh, oh, Batman bust. No. But if I, if, I, if I save that for another time, then I get to keep the Batman bust for another couple of months. So let's go ruined, right to that. Ruined this. Oh. <laughs> We're going to take a break, come back with your picks of the week. Mr. Chris Breen, Andy Anatko, Adam Inkst, John Gruber. But before we do, I want to thank our friends at Citrix who make so many great remote access products, including a fantastic GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting saves me a lot of headaches. We do, unfortunately, we have a lot of uh, meetings. I get off the, uh, off the air every afternoon uh, when Tom does TNT. And what do I do? I go to my office and it's conference calls with vendors, with contractors, uh, with uh, people who want to work with us, people who want jobs, and it's it's great. I mean, I really it saves me a lot of time. I don't have to travel all over the place to meet people, to talk to people, to pitch people. But a teleconference can just be deadly. And you know, you you hear the other guy on the other side, and you can just tell he's you know he's answering his email or he's searching Amazon for a great deal on Ray Charles records, and it's just not <laughs> it's just not satisfying. So the reason we use GoToMeeting here almost every day is because it just makes... First of all, it's easier to set up a meeting. You put go, you can try it right now, Mac or PC. You put GoToMeeting on your system by going to GoToMeeting.com. Click that Try It Free button right in the middle there. I think it's... Uh, what, what color is that? Orange? Kind of orangish. And uh, tell uh, them when they ask for the promo code, use the promo code MACBREAK. MACBREAK. And you'll have 30 days free of GoToMeeting. Now that it's on your computer, anytime you're going to have a meeting... We actually, it's funny, we, now we've, got, we've got a code in the office. I'll, I'll, send, I'll send you a G2M. And I think sometimes people have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> but the, you'll just, you, you press a button, it, sends, it set, sets up the meeting, it sends a meeting invitation, they can, it includes in their calendar a link and so forth. And that way the meeting, it pops up in their calendar or they get the email and it says, click this link. It takes them to go to meeting.com. Even if they've never used it before, 30 seconds later, the software is ready, it's going uh, it's completely secure, by the way, 128-bit SSL, you know, absolutely flawless stuff. And, uh, and they're meeting with you. They can use voice over IP. So if they're on an iPad, there's a free iPad app. Um, they can just use the speaker and the mic built into the iPad. They don't even need a phone connection, but it also provides, as part of the service, a conference bridge with an actual telephone number and, you know, the meeting code and all that stuff. It is just the easiest way to set up a meeting. Now, we do it even if we don't have to show people anything. But the beauty is, if we do want to show them something... It's there, it's ready, and we can show them what's on the screen. They can show us what's on their screen. We can give them control, so it's great for training. Uh, it is, it, it's just the simplest, easiest way to get meetings started, to get meetings effectively handled. Uh, it just makes you more efficient and more productive. I, I don't know how to say it better, but this is a product we love and use all the time at Twit, and I encourage you, if you've not used it, and maybe you've used some of the other teleconferencing solutions, maybe you've been burned and you say, I'm not trying this. No, please, this is so easy. Go to meeting.com. Click the Try It Free button and the uh, promo code for this, if you would, and we'd, we'd appreciate it if you use it, is MacBreak. That way they, they know where you heard it and we get credit for it. Go to meeting.com, Try It Free button, MacBreak. Do, <clears throat> do give that a try.
Also, we don't know. We don't judge. So if you want to treat it more like gotohome.com, <laughs> so you can stay at work, stay at the bar, not have to tuck your kids in, it's just as good for that. Your money's just as good. You know, so. it's actually true. I uh, I I was sitting out in the uh, yard back here with the flowers and it's beautiful and the birds are singing and I'm I've got my iPad in my hand and I'm doing a, a meeting here, and it was just kind of cool. And I put I plugged in my um you know iPhone uh, headset. And it's just like sitting here doing a meeting. It's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. <laughs> you don't you don't feel like you're working. It's you're, like you're just, you just want yeah. You just want to be the the stereotypical Californian who exactly. like everyone on the East Coast is in a conference room with suits <laughs> and ties. You're like hey with a glass of Chardonnay, glasses, Stop medical marijuana card. A word of advice though, if you were in the hot tub, turn the bubbler off because it really annoys them. <laughs> and they and don't you know don't say. Hey, uh, Bunny and Cherry, come on in. The water's great. No, you don't need your bikini tops. That kind of thing doesn't go down well, I just want to say. Yes. That'd be a good use case for those. Uh, coasters. I pushed it a little far. I'm sorry. <laughs> for one of those noise-canceling things. You know how, like, the Nexus S and the iPhone yes. 4 have that extra microphone, and it filters out, like, crowd yeah. noise? Yeah. We, you need one for hot tub bubbles. Hot tub, hot tub bubbles. <laughs> just filters it right <laughs> out of the <laughs> Now, Leo, is there is there like a is there like a uh, like a PayPal contribution to pay for your smoking jacket and ascot when we finish building the, the Twit you, Mansion? You know, the Playmates and I We're have not, really enjoyed the time. I, I I believe I hear Moby uh, sitting up near the grotto for a number. You know, let's let's listen. You you I have some influences, but I have to say, House Party is a huge influence. If I could make. <laughs> Little reports, Jimmy Jam. If yeah. I could make the Twit Cottage be like the the Playboy House Party of tech, well, I look <laughs> over here. Mark Zuckerberg's uh, chatting up one of our producers. Uh, Mark, tell me about the latest with Facebook. I would just love that. Can I, can I be like the, the really the really crappy oil painting artist who wants to paint everything and <laughs> yes. be treated like a serious artist, yes. even though he's just like a like a cigarette ad maker? Leroy Neiman, I know who you're talking about. Uh, Andy Anatko's <laughs> over there doing another great painting of Cassius Clay. How's it going, Andy? But it's I have to wonder, well. you know, whenever we do we do our Hefner imitation, why do we always go to Jim Backus instead? I know. Well, is this, there is a little <laughs> lock well, well, love her. You know, we're going to go down here. Love her. May say Miffy and Biffy over yeah. up in the Hamptons. And trying to find because, my hype. because Hugh Hefner only wished he could be as sexy as Jim Backus. <laughs> <laughs> so he only wished he got he got some of the some of the action that that Mr. Magoo got. I do have so the smoking. Call the Mr. Magoo for a reason, you know. I have both the smoking jacket and the pipe, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All we need is a grotto. <laughs> <laughs> and about a barrel of penicillin. Well in <laughs> I think and I, people sitting around kind of snapping their fingers to us as we... Uh, and like, I can't get it in reception here. <laughs> I think actually, I may be wrong, but didn't they have Legionnaire's disease outbreak in the grotto? I think they did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, let's do our picks of the week. I think I'm just going to go uh, clockwise in our Hollywood Squares thing, which means we'll start with Mr. Chris Breen and his pick of the ah, week. Okay, this is a pre-pick, um, which means this product isn't out. And I've never used it, but I already want it. So <laughs> good. I don't. I don't care. I've, I've looked at pictures and say I want that. Good. Uh, this is made by Alesis, or it will be made by Alesis, uh, the music instrument manufacturer. Do good stuff. It yeah. is called the IO Dock, and the idea is it's made for one of these. It's made for your iPad, and so you slip this thing into this dock, and it puts the iPad at an angle, and it provides. Um, it's a mixing board, essentially. 
So you have uh, two inputs, both XLR as well as uh, guitar plug inputs. You have phantom power, so you can plug your mic in there. If you have an expensive mic that needs phantom power, it will work with that. It has a foot switch. If you uh, need to use a sustain pedal or something that's plugged into it, on the side it has a MIDI in and out port. It has volume switches. You plug a power thing into it. It has headphones. It has a main output. And the idea is that you plug this thing into your iPad, so you don't need to use the... Um, the dock connector or the camera connector anymore, but you put it into this thing. And most music applications will work for it. So if you use GarageBand on the iPad, it just works. So now you can plug your guitar into this dock instead of the uh, instead of a dongle, as well as a microphone, and then switch between the two because you can't record both channels simultaneously. Um, supposedly it's coming out in June. It looks like everybody's going to sell it for 200 bucks. This looks and really I cool. It, it looks really cool. Yeah, it'll it'll work with GarageBand, right? So Yeah, it works. They show you a demo of it working with GarageBand. Um, although they're just advertising it now, and some places still have the old name, which I think was called SoundDoc. So it shows you it's just coming together at right. this point. Look at but, all those um, knobs and buttons and switches. It looks so cool. Man. It looks very cool because trying to do MIDI in particular on an iPad is is a challenge. And if this thing really works and Apple really lets it happen, I think it's going to be a fabulous device for musicians. Very cool. Doesn't it sound like that device, that, that legendary device from four or five years ago that Think Secret got in all, all that trouble for, for leaking oh, the... Uh, yeah, well, that was an Apple-branded device, so... Right. But, uh, the, and like I think a, that was a setup, right? Wasn't that just to trap people who were leaking? It might have been. I mean, that's it's the, 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 the leg, leg, as legend has it, it, it may or may not have been something that they had no intention of, of actually yeah. making. Isn't it it only existed to... Uh, to entrap a leaker. Isn't that funny? That would, that, would, that would kind of serve Apple right because even when they're trying to do a fake <laughs> product just to trap people, they will accidentally design something brilliant. That people right. want it. So Everybody yeah. thinks secret leaked it and there were all these people who are musicians and, and oh, you know, amateur professional and they were like, oh, that sounds great. Can't wait for that. Take my money yeah. now. So, Chris, is there a date for availability? Is there a price? Do we know? I've I've seen the uh, the price that people seem to be selling for is one ninety nine. That's perfect. And they said it's supposed to come out in June. I thought I think I saw some site that said coming June tenth, but you know who soon. knows? Soon, yeah, soon. Well, I hope so because I really would love to have one of these. No kidding, that's awesome. Good pick, Andy Anako. Your your pick. Uh, my pick is a really awesome enhancement for any calendaring program you're actually using. It's called Fantastical, uh, and it's by a company called Flexibits.com. They make some other really cool stuff. But it's I love it because I've never been able to get into iCal. I know it works okay, and it's been around for three, four, or five years. But I still tend to use my my inbox as my scheduler. Right? I I just sort of kind of remember that. Oh, that's right. Uh, let, let's let's start off. With, it's May first. Let's look at make sure we know all my appointments for the rest of the month. Now, obviously, obviously, if I know I'm, I'm flying to Sweden at the end of September, I know I'm flying to Sweden at the end of September. At some point, I check my inbox and I get the dates and I get the the times so I need to make arrangements. But it's just I just cannot get myself into the habit of tabbing over to iCal, click type the right date, click, type the date, yeah. click, type the description. Yeah. Fantastical is incredible because it just puts a calendar icon in your menu bar. Okay, you've seen that before, but you haven't seen the way that it works. You tap it and you simply type in pretty much natural English what the appointment is. So I can type lunch with John at the Sizzler uh, the second Saturday in November. And it I'm will in. actually... In 
Exactly. <laughs> Send him an invite. It's, like, it's, 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 it's all you can eat bacon shrimp <laughs> and it's And it's doing like really subtle things, realizing that, okay, John is the person I'm meeting with. Uh, the second Saturday in November, in November is actually... Does it pull his contact from address book? Does, I don't believe it pulls contacts, but will, okay. you can actually watch it. The great thing is you can actually watch it during... It, it does this drop-down that you can see behind me right now. It does a drop-down calendar, and you can actually see it populating all of the fields mm. uh, of the of the appointment as you type. So it's making guesses as you go uh, and sort of visually confirming that it's guessing correctly without actually stopping you doing anything. And nine times out of ten, you just simply type a sentence that describes who you're meeting with, what the where you're meeting, what day and what time, and it will just simply result in a in a in a calendar, uh, in a really well done uh, 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 calendar appointment. And it also will give you just a quick drop down of here's what you've got, here's what you got coming up today and this week. So you're always dipping in to check to see what you got. Now, number one, I love it because it takes a function that I should be doing with just by discipline and letting me do it because they've given me a really good tool for doing it. Uh, the second thing though, is that it's a very, very pretty app. I don't think you could build this app for any other operating system because the other operating systems don't have that kind of aesthetic. It doesn't have that sort of mandate that says it doesn't have to, it's it's not good enough if it's just functional. It also has to be pretty and it has to look good and it has to work really, really it's, well. It's a delicious app, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really just it's really just terrific. I have never gone so, as a matter of fact, I think I first heard about it on, uh, on, uh, on Daring Fireball and I have never, I, I can't remember the last time I've gone so quickly from clicking to install a demo to typing, I think, all of 18 characters to clicking back into the App Store and buying it. Uh, it's $15 wow. uh, until I think the price goes up at the end of the month, but for the month of May, at least it's 15 bucks. And I've gone from somebody who just has to sort of keep part of his schedule in his head and just trust that I remember that, oh, that's right. I do have to fly across eight time zones tomorrow. Got it. Uh, to somebody who really is very, very diligent about updating and uh, referring to a calendar. So highest recommendation, really great stuff. I, I've been looking at it with lust, but I'm so tied to BusyCal. Uh, not iCal that I'm I'm worried. I think that, it works with BusyCal. Does it? It's just it, not it, ideal though. It's it, it, yeah. it, it not as good. A little bit. What yeah. what happens is I think, and I, I hope I'm getting this right, but I think I am because I use BusyCal too, and I I now use FantasticCal. Yeah. Is that it doesn't integrate directly with BusyCal. So when you enter an a, an event in FantasticCal, uh, right. and then you go to BusyCal a second later, it's not there yet. You have to wait for the CalDev syncing to kick in. So you where, subscribe to your yeah. iCal yeah, calendars in BusyCal via CalDev, and right. then you'll get yes. it. So it, yeah, right. So the stuff shows up in BusyCal after a round trip to wherever your calendar server is. So it could be, I think it would work with Google Calendar. See, that's uh, my issue because I don't want to subscribe to iCal calendars. I just don't want to use iCal at all. Mm -hmm. So right, well, it's not yeah, iCal, it's, it's CalDAV. So it is, oh. it's like IMAP for calendars. Okay. Right? It's so like if you use MobileMe. Right. So like if you use MobileMe, it goes both ways. And I'm pretty sure that's Google. how Google Calendar works. I okay. think it's CalDAV. So uh, if it works with Google Calendar, I'd be very happy. I'll the only it. difference, yeah. see, with iCal, it's a direct talk. It, it talks directly right. to iCal storage right. on your file. So one second later, after you've entered an event yeah. in Fastic, Fantastical. You can go to iCal and it's already there. Yeah. BusyCal, it takes a couple seconds because you have to wait for the syncing. Right. But yeah. it does work. 
it works. I, I, do, I do wish it had a couple features. I wish I had the ability to set a reminder for it right in the middle of that confirmation. I wish I could drag a file or drag a URL or drag an email into it because time and time again, I do find myself saying, well, uh, having to go into iCal just to add the tag, oh, please email me about this to remind mm -hmm. me one day in advance. Uh, if it just had but two extra lines in that form, uh, it would be absolutely perfect. But good heavens, it's so completely <laughs> worth 15 bucks. That if 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 I found if I found out that the developer had broken into my house, gone into that big fishbowl full of change, fist taken out two fists of quarters and left a note saying I took fifteen dollars. Here's your license. I'd say, okay, I'm upset you didn't tell me beforehand. And I hope you tell me which which window you you open to get in. But I can't argue with that. That's a very good product. Thank you. It is now time for your pick uh, of the week, Mister uh, Mister John Gruber. I will. I will give you my pick. But I, first, I would just add, just to, just to, on top of Andy's thing with Fantastical, just, uh, and I'm not making this up. I think 500 people have made the same observation before. But with iCal, there's this rule of thumb with Apple products where you can tell which one Steve Jobs uses and which one he doesn't. And, <laughs> yeah. and with iCal, I don't think there's any doubt that he looks at his calendar in iCal. But you know, you know that he doesn't enter his own events. No. Right? Somebody He's else is horrible. doing that. Click on the day, yeah. click on the month, uh, click on the year, click on the time, click on the minute, click on the yeah. second, click on the hundredth oh, of a second, normal. click on the thousandth of a second, click on AM, PM. <laughs> it, you know that he doesn't enter his own events. And fantastic how it's like, just like Andy said, it's like you get to be a guy with a, an assistant where you just say, look, I'm having lunch <laughs> Tuesday at noon. Right. And that's Becca! all you type. <laughs> what have I got for two people? Becca, are you out right. there? Yeah. All right. Get my out of the grotto. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and bring my me a daiquiri while you're at it. <laughs> is a, uh, it's a new iPhone weather app. And I know that there's 10,000 of these weather apps. And uh, Ben. Ooh, I like weather apps. Ben Brooks, I think, did, did the greatest thing. He did one of those uh, write-ups where he, like, went through the App Store a couple weeks ago and, and did, like, a, a survey of, like, 20 oh, different other apps. And it's so sort many. of, you're looking, and, and, and we're all the princess with the P when it comes to weather apps, where everybody wants a little bit more, everybody wants more info than you can get by looking out your window, <laughs> but we don't want to become meteorologists. Right. Uh, everybody has, like, this <clears throat> sweet spot in their head of just how much, information you want and but you want it to be super super fast so i often go back to apple's weather app because it's fast you just launch it and it doesn't take very long at all to get updated info but it just doesn't tell you that much more than the temperature and whether there's any chance of rain today or not you know what i uh, want i want the dew point <laughs> <laughs> so shine is a new one that for me personally hits the sweet spot a it and is very attractive it does the dew point it does do point, I uh, For but the when you go, So it, it opens up with, <laughs> with what you see right here on the screen. But if you scroll down, it gives you like a sort of, not scroll down on the web page, but scroll down in the app. It gives you like a uh, hour by hour forecast for the next few hours, which for me is a huge deal. And it, it, it's what I don't get from Apple's weather app. It's like, for example, I'm coaching my son's t-ball team and we have practice every Monday at 530. Um, so if I'm going to cancel practice because of rain, I kind of need to know not just whether it's going to rain at all today, because if it's going to rain at night, we're still going to have practice. I kind of need to know what, what are the odds that it's going to rain around 530. Yeah. Um, and Shine does that. But it doesn't weigh you down with all that stuff that makes you feel like you, you, you should be doing the weather on TV. 
Uh, and there's plenty of other apps that are great for that if you really do want radar and, and all these other things. But for 99 cents, uh, this app to me is great. Now, the only downside uh, is that it's U.S. only right now. Uh, that's the biggest downside is that it, it, I don't think it has international weather. Um, but if you're in the U.S., uh, really, really worth uh, a look for 99 cents. And you need Dewpoint. Right. right. Uh, Dewey. Everything's Dewey in the grotto, Chris. <laughs> I, I was wondering, you know. Or, but that's I think true. so. I think that's where you... That's do, what, that's dewey what, eyed, I, dewey I, lips. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, I believe that Dewey Grotto is our twit pinup for November. <laughs> <laughs> Adam and, and your brothers, Huey and Louie. Huey and Louie. <laughs> your, your pick of the week, Adam. Well, this is this is a little along the lines of Chris's uh, in terms of that I haven't actually used it yet, um, but I am dying to find a little bit of free time to start going through it. Um, for those who uh, who are word processor fans, because you actually write. Um, my one of my my favorite word processor of yesterday. I'm sort of looking at the web page over here on the iPad. Um, Nicest Nicest oh. Writer Pro oh. 2.0 oh. just shipped oh. with. The most amazing change release notes I have ever seen. I, can't, I didn't even know they were still around. It's been two years since this major upgrade. And, I mean, okay, so you know how Apple release notes work. You know, fixes for st stability and reliability, and it takes, you know, well, that, and, if, and if you're lucky, they outline two or three. Well, I actually did a search and, and copied the release notes for Nicest Writer Pro 2.0 out to, out to BB Edit and did a line count on it. We're talking over 500 changes. It took them um, two years. And, They've been busy. <laughs> yeah. And you look at the top ones here. They did track changes. They did drawing tools. They did watermarks. They did a vertical ruler. They've got wow. savings PDF with all the wonderful PDF goodness like links and tables of contents and all that. They can do link to inserted images on disk. They've got, EPUB. you know, they improved EPUB. their commenting. Yeah. EPUB. Yeah. I mean, I mean, suddenly, I mean, uh, I mean, I've I've never really gotten back into Nicest Writer Pro since Mac OS X. They they just they were too slow in coming right. to Mac OS X. I used class, I used it in their classic for years, and finally had to give it up. And Nicest Writer Pro has always been sort of a good effort, but never quite there. And if this thing lives up to the features they're telling me here, um, Microsoft Word. Pages, they've all got a serious run for their money because um, this is this is one heck of a feature list. I was a huge Nicest fan for so many years. Oh yeah, macros. They've mm -hmm. got mac. They've got grep searching. They've got beautiful yeah. grep searching that anybody can use because it's graphical. <clears throat> if you right. if you don't know how to do all the fancy little grep codes, which I do now because I've become a BB Edit user. But um, but I mean that's what, I had to go to BB Edit after Nicest because I needed right. grep. Me too. Yep. Yep. So, so this is available now. It is available now. Um, just came out a couple days ago, and I said I'm I'm dying to, to to dip into it and start doing some writing. Universal binary. Yeah. Now I have a license for the first. I imagine I'll have to uh, upgrade. It's, yeah, it's only forty nine bucks. Forty nine bucks. That's yeah, not bad. It's a big for an upgrade. Seventy nine if you want to buy the full full version. I will buy it just to support them. I think I think they're great. They're great guys. Yeah. 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 Good picks all around, and thank you all for a great show. Uh, starting with Chris Breen, the Mac Daddy at MacWorld.com. Hey now. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> Jeffrey <laughs> Tambor. Yeah, yeah, that's good. He's a good-looking fella. <laughs> Nothing on you, though, Chris. Oh, well, well thank you for being here. And, th and thanks for having me. I always have a great time here. we got to have you on more often. 
Uh, well, anytime you I like. don't actually know how we could have you on more often than twice in the last three weeks, but we ought to do this. <laughs> okay. If we can figure out a way. All right. It's great, great to Just have set you. Up a, set up a cot in the corner. Yeah. You want to move in, you can. Perfect. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Chris. Thank you to uh, John Gruber of DaringFireball.net. Always a great pleasure having you on, too. Thanks, Leo. I'm, I'm looking around. I can't find it. My office is a little dish. I was looking for my autographed picture of Donald Trump, but <laughs> just pretend I'm holding it. Do you really have one? Come on. No, not yet. <laughs> He's holding out for it, though, folks. Right. Also to Adam Engst of Tidbits, the longest-running <laughs> Mac newsletter publisher in the whole history of the universe. <laughs> I was looking on the top of my desk, which is unfortunately a little bit of a mess for something to show off. And, you know, I was, I was, what I was looking for was my MOOF button. Oh, for those who really remember the history. This was, this was given to me by Mark Johnson, who, who started FTP.Apple.com wow. on a 2CI under his desk. It was the first major Apple Internet server. Wow. MOOF. So, MOOF. Dog MOOF. cow. MOOF? Yeah. Um. And Andy has cows, so it kind of works perfectly. <laughs> there you go. They're not dogs, but we don't know. They might say moof. They're very obedient. They're loyal. They're hardworking. <laughs> Andy so. Anako is at the Chicago Sun-Times in the Celestial Waste of Bandwidth. I, uh, I was thinking that I would be in uh, France for the EG8 uh, today, so Andy very <laughs> kindly jumped in and did all the work, and then I canceled at the last minute. Jeff Jarvis is there, and he's already stirring up trouble. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, he leapt to his feet when Sarkozy was talking and said, but what about first do no harm? And Sarkozy shut him down. So we'll, we'll get a report tomorrow on this weekend. And, and there was some harm done is what you're saying? There was, well, Sarkozy, I, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but uh, Sarkozy, you know, kind of. This was the issue. Cory Doctorow said, I'm not going to go. I was invited. I'm not going to go because Sarkozy has an agenda. He just wants to use our names to rubber stamp his draconian Internet restrictions. And, and Corey didn't want to ha do that to uh, the credit of uh, Jeff Jarvis and John Perry Barlow, uh, both of whom went along with Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and uh, I think Steve Ballmer's there. I think Bill Gates is there. A lot of big names. Uh, but to the credit of John Perry Barlow and Jeff Jarvis, who I know have that as their agenda, they're going to have to fight the fight apparently. But it'll be interesting. We'll get a report tomorrow <laughs> on this week they, in Google. They, they packed a whole carry-on bag full of extra shoes just for throwing. Uh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and I, I wish I could be there. I'm sorry I'm not, but uh, I'm glad I could be here for this. This was a lot of fun. So, Andy, thank you for jumping in and uh, doing the show. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you all for watching. We do this show, Mac Break Weekly, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, every Tuesday at live.twit.tv. And if you missed the show, you can always watch anytime. We have audio and video versions available at twit.tv slash mbaw. Thanks, everybody, for uh, joining us. Now get back to work. Break time's over.